Welcome to the Garden Angelist, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. Hey, Carol. Hi, Dee. Beautiful day here in Indianapolis. It is, and the butterflies have arrived in Oklahoma. I've seen a few monarchs today. It's a good day. I saw some monarchs. I saw some painted ladies. And I mowed, I mowed the grass this morning, and as I rounded the corner around some um, flowers, bees and butterflies were all over the place. I was in a cloud of them, and I loved it. And you loved it. I love that. So we've turned the corner. Another corner we've turned is into September, which means that summer's practically over. Summer is on the wane. And do you see me smiling? Yes, you do. I do. I do. You deci- you have survived another hot Oklahoma summer. Yes, but I got to say, we really weren't as hot as we are sometimes. And we're going to be hot this week, but that's okay. I can. We're starting to get those cold fronts in. You know, those little gentle cold fronts. and Oh, uh, yes. Uh, not to be confused with the giant storms that we got in August, but that's okay. We won't talk about those. Well, speaking of storms, we have a quote. You going to say it or am I going to say it? I'll do the quote. Go for it. Come, pensive autumn, with thy clouds and storms and falling leaves and pastures lost to flowers. A luscious charm hangs on thy faded forms, more sweet than summer in her loveliest hours. That's by John Clare to Autumn from the Village Minstrel and Other Poems from 1821. I do not know how you found that. I don't know how I found it either, but I love it. I love the imagery of pastures lost to flowers. Yes, that isn't really <laughs> that isn't really what pastures are like now, but people are starting to change they're starting to change their minds about that. And that kind of leads us into our flower for the day. It does. It does. Go for it because I want to hear you pronounce the botanical name. <laughs> so American asters, or should we call them Symphiotrichum species? The genus formerly known as asters, like, you know, like when Prince decided to be known as the artist formerly known as Prince. Yes, and I, I am not even going to try symphiotrichardum, trichium. See, I already messed it up. I'm, I'm committed to calling them asters. You know what? I looked it up on the Missouri Botanical Garden and listened to it several times. Symphiotrichum. But then all of the, I mean, that's pretty easy, and they're still part of... They're still part of the aster family, but right. they're, they're not actually, they can be commonly called as asters, but now they're in this other genus and have been for a while. And don't ask me why. It probably has something to do with DNA, but I love them. I grow a lot of them. I love them too. And uh, I have one that I really like in my garden, and it's a pass along plant from my Aunt Marjorie. Oh. Do you know which variety it is? Oh, or heavens species, no. Or species. This or variety, it, it might be the straight species for the um, New England aster. Oh, okay. I, I'll, tell you more, I'll tell you more about it later as we get into this. Okay, cool. So I think it's interesting that they even say in the botanical literature that we can still call them commonly asters. I guess you can call anything, you know, commonly anything you want to call it. But Exactly. That's the, that's the official word. So why do we like these so much? Um, They bloom in the fall when pollinators need blooms, right? And when there aren't very many blooms in the garden, they are super easy to grow. Right. 
What do you need to grow asters, Carol? Sun and soil. <laughs> Pretty much. They don't like clay very much, but if you get a little well-drained soil and you got some sunshine or even partial shade, they will grow really well. And I think the biggest thing to remember about them is some of them want to take over because some of them spread by underground stems. I'm talking to you, willow aster, and that is Symphiotrichum praeltum. Um, I grow that, and it's beautiful, and it has these willow-like leaves, but dang it, it wants to be the only aster, the only plant in that part of the garden. It even fights with goldenrod. Really? Yes. <laughs> and it's about six feet tall. It just It's huge. But you know what? Butterflies love it, so that's okay. Um, and then also you want to be sure and cut them back when you cut back all your other stuff that you want to not grow tall and flop over, which is around the Chelsea chop, but that's not what you call it. I call it the Indy 500 chop because it's when the Indianapolis 500 race takes place around Memorial Day. And sometimes with some of these asters, I cut them back twice. If we've had a really good rainy summer, I cut them back twice and they'll still bloom. Just don't cut them back right now because they're starting to form flowers. So tell me some that you love to grow besides the one that your aunt, was it Marge? Is that aunt Marjorie. Marge? Well, um, I have a couple of them that I lo- really like. I have one that's a dark pink, and it's called Al- Alma Pachki. Yeah, Alma Pachki. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we both g- grow October Skies, which is a almost blue. Yes. It's gorgeous. It is, it is gorgeous, but I don't think it's the most gorgeous. What is the most gorgeous? Well, in my opinion, the most gorgeous is uh, Bluebird. I think Bluebird is prettier than any of the other asters. And it also has a really good growth habit. It also has beautiful foliage, and it is rarely afflicted by any of the aster problems. I want it now. See? See how it goes? Now I want it. I should buy it. You should buy it. American Meadows has it. Um, I bought mine locally from Bustani Plant Farm, but American Meadows has it, and a bunch of other places have it. And I've spread it all around the garden. The reason that here's, I like it because it's, a true blue. It's even bluer than October skies, which is hard to believe. It has mostly upright growth. Yes, you do have to cut it back, but it doesn't flop. And it has bluish foliage, and it also doesn't get any of the problems that asters sometimes get around our house. Dee, tell me about these aster problems. Okay, so they have a couple of problems. A few varieties do. Some of them have powdery mildew, what doesn't in a humid summer. Um, but you don't get it much in sunny areas. That's if you do it in partial shade. They also may need staking, even if you cut them back, because some of them flop. And some of them get something called aster wilt. And I have seen that in my garden a couple of times. In fact, Alma Pachki gets it every once in a while. Bless Alma's little heart. Really? I have not seen it in my garden, thank goodness. But it just looks ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and if you see... If you see it, just cut it out. Right. That's what I do. I just cut out the section that's sick and go on with my life. Um, so I love Bluebird. Um, I was going to say that Bluebird was found um, in a garden, a Guilford, Connecticut garden. This is from the Mount Cuba Center website. Uh-huh. And it was introduced in 1994 by Dr. Richard Lighty. And he was, he is part, was part of the Mount Cuba Center. I don't know if he still is. And, um, 
it's just a, it's a really fine natural selection. So let's talk a little bit about spontaneously occurring varieties of plants. Because that's what that was. Yeah, let's talk about that. What do you want to say about it? Well, I think it's like my favorite thing about plants, really and truly. Um, that you'll just have this plant appear, because maybe like me, you grow a whole bunch of different asters. And then one day, there's just this one that's slightly different, slightly better. And somebody who's smart sees it, and then it becomes a whole new variety. That's that's cool. Well, and if you found one in your garden, Dee, you know, you could uh, you could name it. You could name it after me. I could. <laughs> or I could name it after my garden, Little Cedar Garden. There you go. We could call it the Cynthia Tricum Leve Little Cedar. The reason I have my Aunt Marjorie's aster is it's one of those that self-sows itself all over the garden, if you're not careful. and Yeah, I got some of those. And she could never really um, consider it a weed, so she dug it up and gave me some. And she said that she had gotten it from my dad, which was weird because my dad... I never saw an aster growing in our garden growing up, and I think they were just too messy for my dad. He liked a little bit neater garden. Right. They need it. You need to not be overly concerned with tidiness. No. If you're growing asters, because they have minds of their own, and uh, some bloom later, some bloom earlier. I don't know. I just I think that they are nice because they're kind of frothy. The foliage usually is, and it kind of weaves through other things. And that reminds me of another favorite aster that's unusual. Do you have um, Cynthia trichum Cara? See, this is going to be hard. Carolinianus. Do you have that one? The Carolina climbing. I do not. So, I, it was given to me by a friend, Russell Studebaker. He gave it to me when I went up to visit him in Tulsa. And he said, you'll love this plant. And anything Russell's given me, he's right. I've loved it. And it, um, it, I don't think it really climbs because I don't think it has tendrils or anything to hook onto things. But it has very, very long stems. And I have it in the center of the garden with a tutor. And it's beautiful because it blooms this kind of purpley pinkish blue color just when nothing else is blooming. Except for this year. Guess what happened to it this year? What happened to it? Autumn clematis happened to it. Autumn clematis oh. somehow reseeded over by it. I missed it. And that whole tutor is just full of autumn clematis. And here's the thing. I'm going to leave the autumn clematis up until it goes, right before it goes to seed, which will be in about three weeks. Because right now it's just covered with wasps. And I don't want to get in there with the wasps and bother, bother them. And now I'm going to, no. I'm going to, no, they, they might accidentally sting me. Um, so I'm going to dig it up, and I can see that the Carolina aster is okay, but it really kind of ruined my whole effect, Carol. I know. So, Dee, I looked up the Carolina aster and thought, why don't I have this? And I'll tell you why I don't have it. Why? It's only it's only hardy to zone 7A, and I'm 6A. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I even brought it up. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> Not uh, really. <laughs> moving right along. Do you know another common name for asters? No. What is it? Uh, Michaelmas daisies. Oh, yeah, Michaelmas daisies. Yeah. Because they bloom around the Feast of St. Michael, which is September the 29th. I have a niece and a nephew who were born two years apart on the 29th, so always think of them. Oh, that's cool. The asters, their flower. The flower of their birth. Back when you had a mass for every single 
um, every single saint back in the days, you know. That's Saint, so Michael Mass. That's why they're called Michael Mass daisies. That's neat. I didn't know that. Right. So I, I love them, and I let them come up and just kind of grow wherever. I have noticed that the, I'll call it Aunt Marjorie's, that sometimes it forms the little donut where the perennial kind of keeps spreading out and the inside dies. Dies back, and when, yeah. You, when you see that in the spring and it's coming up and it's not coming up in the center, it means it's time to dig and divide it. Yep. More for everybody. More right. for everybody. Because, because it has exhausted uh, the soil in the middle and also shaded out that area. So that's why they do that. And a lot, a lot of them, a lot of perennials do that. Perennial grasses really do that. Yes. So, yep, that means let's dig it up and make more plants. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to American Meadows, Bluebird, and I will probably place an order week. Yes. And I noticed that on American Meadows website that they still call it Aster Leve instead of Symphiotrichum Leve, which just goes to show that, you know, not everybody worries too much about, about that kind of thing. So there you go. I hope you buy it. It is, it's hardy to where you are, right? I hope so. Actually, I'll... Probably call my little greenhouse around the corner and ask them if they can get it for me. That's even That's better. the nicest thing to do. But this way our other listeners can get a piece of it also. Yes. But I'll, I'll include that link. So you know what else we plant in the fall? Yes, I do. We plant garlic. Yum. You want to talk about garlic? I'm salivating thinking about it. Are you going to do our quote? I will. Garlic is divine. Few food items can taste so many distinct ways handled correctly. Misuse of garlic is a crime. Please treat your garlic with respect. Avoid at all costs that vile spew you see rotting in oil in screw top jars. Too lazy to peel fresh? You don't deserve to eat garlic. That's by Anthony Bourdain. Well, one thing about Anthony Bourdain, he was never, if not opinionated, although I have to agree. I mean, garlic is pretty easy to peel. You just smash it with a big knife, a big butcher's knife on the side. And if you do that, the peeling comes right off and then you just chop it up. So it's not really hard to do, right? And yes. growing your own garlic, oh my goodness, it, the, the variety, just the oh, variety gosh. is amazing. Yes, you can get mild to strong and everything in between. You can get purple, you can get white, you can get soft neck, you can get hard neck. I mean, goodness. Pinks, there's pinks. Yes. So I will say there's two other garlics to avoid at the grocery store. What's that? For God's sakes, don't buy that garlic in that little cardboard box. Oh, the really sad garlic that's been sitting there for a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you don't want that. If, yeah. And and check the source. You also do not want garlic shipped in from China. Yuck. Yuck for many reasons. So um, here's the deal. Just buy organic garlic and buy it at a good store. I mean, here, even in Oklahoma now, unless you live out rurally, um, there's so many places to buy good garlic. We now have a Trader Joe's, we have a Whole Foods, even our local grocery store and natural grocer, they all have really good garlic. 
So buy that garlic because that garlic did not come from China. A lot of times it was grown locally, but you don't want to plant that garlic, right? No, 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 no. It's okay to eat. Yes. But don't plant. You want to buy from a good, um, normally seed places sell it. Uh, Botanical Interest has it. Burpee Seeds has it. Johnny's Selected Seeds has it. We'll put a link to a couple of sources for garlic on our show notes as well. There's also some places that are just devoted to garlic. Like you can go, there's some places online that just do garlic. And then I want to say some of the tomato seed companies, some of those just do tomatoes, peppers, and garlic. Really? Well, the advantage of buying it online, I mean, from one of these places is... First of all, it'll be virus-free. There are some viruses that can get into garlic. It'll be virus-free. And oftentimes, it's organic. Plus, Mm -hmm. the sheer variety of varieties that you can buy is you'll you'll be mind-boggled over the options. Right. So let's separate it out for them real quickly for our listeners. There's hardneck garlics which tend to be more cold-hardy. And that's all I would grow in Indiana. Right. And in Oklahoma, you can grow hard neck or soft neck. Soft neck is the type you see that is braided, and it's usually white garlic, usually. Hard neck is where you can really, really find some unusual things. And by us saying hard neck, that means that in the center, what you mostly buy in the grocery store is not hard neck. Some of the organic ones I have seen are. Most of it's soft neck. So in the very center... If it's hard neck, it has this center stem that is very hard, and the cloves are all around that center stem. Right. And you cannot braid it because it's hard. So hard neck is nice for a lot of reasons. One is variety. Cold hardiness is another. I will say this. In my, in my area, hard neck does not, is not stay as long in my pantry as soft neck does. It. But here's the deal. I eat it all. I mean, there's not... There's not any left to go bad. I think it's gone bad one time because I love it so much. And, you know, if you get into growing garlic, and it can be kind of an investment. Some of these bulbs are not that cheap. After you harvest it, you can save your biggest bulb, your biggest, best bulb, and replant that that fall. So let's tell people, first of all, you plant garlic in the fall. So you get that big bulb. And you break it up into all the little cloves. And then you just stick that clove in the ground, I don't know, like a couple inches down. And wherever, however many cloves you plant, that's how many bulbs of garlic you'll get the next year. Isn't that cool? That is another one of those multiplication things. So you plant it in the fall. And I would plant it, you know, around here, I'd probably plant it mid-October. You might plant it a little bit later. Yeah, I'll plant it somewhere in there. The truth is I just plant it at the same time when I plant my um, lettuce and stuff like that. So late September, October, right in there. I found a really cool website online. What's that? And no, they haven't given us anything to say anything about them. It's called Fillery Garlic Farm, and they are known for garlic. And they it, it is or, certified organic. It's out of Omak, Washington. And my goodness, there are a lot of varieties of garlic on here. And you could just have a good time on this website. So we'll link to it in our show notes. We will definitely link to it. The other thing about garlic, so you plant it in the fall, you forget about it. 
Yep. Then in the spring, don't plant in that area because up pops the garlic and it'll just come up like, like a regular flower bulb would and it'll grow and you should not let it flower. Most of them won't try to flower, but if you see a flower forming in that little, almost a curly cue. Set apart. Mm-hmm. You need to cut that off yep. and you can actually cook with that. Use it in stir fry or whatever. You can cook with that garlic scape. And then right. around here, usually around the end of June, you'd see some of the lower leaves dying. And mm-hmm. so you would, um, the point you have two or three lower leaves that are dying off, then you carefully dig it out. Clean it off. Yeah, Exactly. Store it very dry. You don't want to store it with any moisture. Store it dry and use it as you wish for cooking. Very easy to grow. Um, you'll get bigger bulbs if you give them a little fertilizer, but I'll be honest, mine are planted in raised beds. And I just, after I plant it, I just put on a uh, about a two-inch layer of compost, which for me is mostly leaf mold, and then I just leave it and they come up in the spring. And they look like green onions. Yes, when they're coming up. So if people haven't grown garlic before and you see them, except for their leaves are flatter. So when they come up, just those are not your green onions. You would have planted those in the spring. And I don't want anyone to feel like we're talking down to them. I just don't know that many people that grow garlic regularly, but I do every year. In fact, I'm probably going to order some. Yeah, you better before they all sell out. The other thing I would say is uh, you're a good gardener. So I'm assuming that you create a weatherproof label to label your rows of garlic so you know what's there. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know I don't do that. That's why you said Uh, that. No, what I do is I plant it, I plant my garlic all around the edges of my of my beds in the potager. And so I just know where the garlic is. There you go. I move it around from from year to year, I move it to a different bed. There are four beds. So I rotate it but I always plant it on the edge because I think it's pretty. It is pretty, especially when it forms those scapes. Yeah, it's very pretty. So I plant garlic some years and some years I don't. So maybe I should plant some this year. I'll see. Yeah, let's both do it. Let's plant some. Okay. I have to pick a couple of hardneck varieties though. Well, I think you'll be able to go to that garlic farm and pick out a few. There's some, they have quite a few of hardneck ones. Okay. So there you go. All right. Very good. So that's something that people should be doing in their garden this fall. And they should be enjoying their asters. And actually, you can order asters and plant them this fall as soon as it isn't quite so hot. You can plant them and they'll do just fine and then they'll multiply. So that's nice. Yeah, because we should talk in a future podcast episode. Fall is for planting. And people people just don't really get that. But you'll have greater success with everything if you fall plant. Yeah, most of the time, unless you wait too late. Yeah, you sure will. Because, see, it doesn't, you don't have to water everything and keep it alive over the summer as hard, you know, because it's a brand new plant. So if you plant in the fall, you'll get some gentle rains and they'll water it and it won't be so bad. Unless you have a really dry winter, in which case you need to water it once a week. Exactly. If it's above 40 degrees. So are you ready for our dirt D? I am ready for our dirt, and it's exciting dirt. Well, it's, At least I hope it's Well, exciting. it's mostly dirt about us. That's okay. Every once in a while, we can make the dirt about us. We're dirty girls. There you go. I wanted to talk about was I have a new website. 
Yes, you did a new website for your name so that you can showcase all your books. Right, I have a new website. It's simply called caroljmichael.com. And it's a place where people can go and they'll find all my books. They'll also find where I'm speaking and information about hiring me to be a speaker at one of their gardening events. That's right. I have one also called dnash.com, and we don't promote our personal websites that often. But if you want to hire us for a speaking engagement, that's a great place to meet up with us. Although the truth is, is you can write us almost anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> we, we think we're all over the Internet. <laughs> we feel that way. <laughs> and D, I just want to give a little teaser out. Um, I know I have several books. I've just finished another book of essays, completely not part of my trilogy of gardening books. And um, it's ready to send to my editor today, which is exciting. That is awesome. This is your initial edit, right? Yes. Yes. This is the content. One day we should talk a little bit. We should talk a little bit about about books and, and how they come to be, because I think people would be interested in that. Yes. And you've got some exciting news. You've got a big speaking engagement coming up. Yes, I'm speaking twice to the Denton County, Texas Master Gardeners at their Fall Fest on October 12th. Um, it's all over the internet. You can just search for it, and we will also link to it in our show, our show notes. And just come on down or up, depending on where you live, whether you live in Texas or Oklahoma. Yeah, because D, you don't get out and speak as much as I do, so people are probably tired of me, but it's a big deal when you get out there. Oh, I don't know. I speak quite a bit. But this summer I didn't because, you know, we launched this podcast and we've been doing a lot of other right. stuff too. You do speak more than I do. I, I spoke a couple of times this right. year. On September the 28th, I'll be up in Lake County, which is the way northwestern corner of Indiana. They have a program called Rhapsody in Bloom, and I'll be up there speaking. So I really like that. I like that title. That's cute. Well, everybody come see us. We love seeing our listeners, and we love to, talking to all of you. And um, we're, it was such a great day to chat with you over the Garden Gate. It was. And, Dee, I'll be seeing you in person real soon. We'll tell people about that later. Okay, cool. In the meantime, you can reach us at the Garden Angelists at Gmail. You can also reach us on Instagram at the Garden Angelists, Facebook at the Garden Angelists, and on our individual accounts too. Um, our individual accounts are Red Dirt Ramblings, D Nash, and May Dreams Gardens for Carol on Facebook, and then she's Indie Gardener, I think, on Twitter and on Instagram. Is that That's right? right? You got it. Wow, I got it! I got it right. We are also the Garden Angelists on Twitter, and you can always listen to us on Buzzsprout if you listen on your computer, or you can download our podcast at almost anywhere the podcasts can be found. We're so glad you guys listened. Thank you so much. All right, bye bye now. Bye.